Do you want an insight into the minds of the industry professionals? Then there's only one place to be. One place to be. The Ins and Out Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. What's up, party people? And we are in. Woo! This is the first episode of your conversation with just me. I spent like a week trying to figure out what to call these episodes where it's just me talking to you guys. I'm literally sat on my girlfriend's bedroom floor on my own. Like, it feels so weird just talking into a microphone. But YOLO, this is it. So this is uh, the first episode of Inside Out. We're going to call these episodes Inside Out, the first rendition of Inside Out. Um, So we're just going to talk about, you know, what's been going on. So I was meant to record this about, uh, I'd say, two weeks ago now. No, that's a lie. Over a week ago. But we've been so busy on tour with the Dream Boys. And um, I've just had so much shit come up and like be in the way. Like, I don't know if you've heard the conversation I had with Shane, but when I was on tour two weeks ago, I was really ill. And I had the shits and I fainted on stage and it all got real dramatic. And then uh, I went swimming with Paulius, um, who's another dancer on the Dream Boys. And we took his son, Kai. We went to the swimming pool in Guildford. We went to like this place called G Live. So we went swimming in Guildford and it was sick. We were like two dads, but we did look like a gay couple. So it was just like me and him with his son. We looked like like gads, gay dads, gads. We looked like a proper gay couple, but it's cool. You know, we didn't care. We were rocking it. We are rolling. We're two homies. So we were walking around with Kai and Kai's like, Dad, Dad, Ginger Ninja. Kai calls me Ginger Ninja. Come on the pink slide. So we were going on all these slides and we were playing games. So that was dope. Like we had super fun time. And uh, they had these diving boards. Yeah. So Lifo, Paulius, aka DJ Lifo, was like, yo, let's go and jump off the high boards. And I was like, okay. So we go over and all these kids are running and jumping off the low one. And the low one is like one of those ones which got to bounce. And it goes like, boing. You know, like the the ones that you see everyone always like do a double bounce and like almost fucking kill themselves on it. So all these little kids are doing this. And then there's like the cocky, like the cocky kids, like age 12 to 16 on the high one, like running and jumping off. So Lifo's like, let's do it. I'm like, okay, you go first. So Lifo climbs up to the top and he's all, he looks down. And I hear him go, oh, shit. And I was like, oh, great. If he's doing it, then I've got to go, innit? So he he jumps off. So I'm like, I got this. So I climb up. I go up two boards, get to the top board. I walk to the edge and I look down and I'm thinking, holy crap, this is high. And that's a holy crap, this is high. So, you know, I turn around, I compose myself, and I give myself a bit of a run jump because... It's kind of like if I was just standing over the edge and looking down, it's like I'm looking down to my death. I couldn't just stand there and look down and be like, I'm just going to do this. So with the run up, I couldn't see the water. So I was like, it's kind of like if I run, I'm just going to surprise myself. I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but in my head, it made sense. So I run and I jump and I felt like I was in the air for like an hour. It felt so long. It felt like an out-of-body experience. But I could feel my right arm like flapping like a bird. I was like swinging around and around. I was literally flapping like a birdie. It felt so weird. And I hit the water and all I felt was my head go really, really tight. And my ears went. So uh, it was all cool. I was like, I'm good. I swam out. I come out. I went to lift. I was like, shit, that was scary. 
and I climbed out the water, stood on the side, and I couldn't, I had no balance. I was like wobbling side to side. It was like weird as fuck. Like I haven't ever had anything like that before. Like my equilibrium, is that what it's called? Equilibrium was all over the place. And my ears kept popping. But I was like, it's cool, it'll go. You know, it's just one of those things. Literally like two hours before the show, my ear is killing. My right ear. My left one's making noises, but my right ear is killing. I've literally done every trick and gag on YouTube trying to get the water out. Like squirt water back in. Like pop your ear, lay on your side, play with it, go and get some Vicks. Like nothing was doing it. So I had two gins and a painkiller, got through the show. I was like, I'm good. I got this. Probably not a very smart combination of things, but I got through it. But we went on for the opening number and I come off stage and I was like to Bailey, the tour manager, like, yo, the sound's shit, turn it up. And everyone was like, this is the best speaker we've had in like months. And I was like, what? I couldn't hear a thing. I was like, the audience are whack. And the boys are like, yo, they're sick. This is a good crowd. I was like, oh, okay. It's just me then, you know, got fucking, I'm deaf in one ear. So, week goes on, my ear's still not great. Um, but today, well, the last few days it's been better. It doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't pop. Just sometimes if I swallow, I can hear like a little, a little fizzle in my ear. But I went to one of those Chinese, um, Chinese medicine places and they stuck that, uh, the candle thing in my ear. It was like 25 pounds is by my house. I was like, I'm gonna give it a go. Because I hate taking tablets and shit like that. I hate Western medicine. I think it's stupid. How is a tablet going to fix my ear? Doesn't make sense. So I went and they stuck the funnel in, cleaned my ears out. Yeah, I had some dirty ass ears. I know that sounds gross and that's not what you all want to hear, but I'm just keeping it real. I had some dirty ass ears. So, uh, yeah, so that's that. But my ear's better now. So that's what's uh, kind of postponed me recording this. But meanwhile, while that's been uh, happening, you know, some things have gone on. But yeah, me and Paulius, we look like two, two, two gads. Two cool gads. Gay dads. Um, but it's funny, we were in the pool, right? And uh, we're looking around at all the other parents. And all the other parents are looking at you. You're like, you know, you're like eyeing up each other. I say parents like I'm the parent. I'm not the parent. They're all like eyeing each other up. And like, you know, you're having like, you're comparing yourself to the other kid's dad. And the mums are all comparing themselves. You know, you can see it like, and they're judging each other's parenting skills. And I don't know because I'm not a parent, but I can just see it happening. And I just kept thinking, people's body shapes are so fucking strange. Like everyone was a different shape. It was so, so bizarre to me. It's like some people are like shaped like a bottle. Some people are shaped like they got tiny little hips and skinny little legs. And then they got big old belly and then tiny shoulders. It's just like a pot belly. It's just like if someone, something's popped on the front of their stomach and it's like a balloon. And then some people are like, got really, really huge lower bodies and then small waists and small upper bodies. It's just weird. Our bodies are weird. Next time you go swimming, do me a favor. Look around everyone and don't compare yourself unless you want to, but don't because you might end up either really happy or really sad and that's not what we want. But just look at everyone. It's weird. Our bodies are weird, complex, clever little things strange but yeah so a lot of things have happened this week i uh i come across this this guy on instagram called paul flart i don't know if you all know who he is but you need to go and look at his instagram so the story is he got fired from his job he's a security like a security guard at like a shopping mall or some shit um and he's got a whole instagram dedicated to farting so i don't know if his real name is paul flart 
and he farts. I don't know if that's some sort of clever last name to make it sound like it. I have no idea. But this guy just films like a super close-up selfie for like five seconds and he records all of his farts in work. And he's got like 91,000 followers. Something madness. But he got fired from his job because he was recording himself farting at work. Like, surely that's... Surely you can't be fired for that. Like... I've never heard of someone be fired for something so stupid. Like, but this guy has a whole Instagram farting. I think that's fucking bizarre. I think the company that fired him should have been like, yo, bro, like, I don't know, say he works for, I don't know where he works. I should have found out. I didn't really think about this. But hey, let's just say, for example, he works for Nike. Yeah. Or he works in like Next or Top Man or whatever. They should have been like, yo, I love what you're doing. When you're doing these videos, can you make sure that our logo is still in the clip? Like, because this motherfucker's getting, he's got 91,000 followers, like, within, like, the last month or something, just for putting fart videos. Utilize this guy's skill. He does look like a gerbil. Like, if you go on his Instagram, he looks a bit like a gerbil. He's got weird hair. Like, he's got to be American, because I just, well, I don't know why, I just assume he is. Paul Flart sounds kind of American, even though I think it's probably a fake name. I've no idea. But hey, go and have a look. Check him out. This shit is hilarious. They're just fart videos. But he does look like a happy gerbil farting. It's kind of cute looking in a weird way. That's weird. I said a guy's cute looking in a weird way. Like a gerbil who farts. Anyway, what else has happened? I had my friend. I don't know if you all seen it. On, I believe it was this morning, my friend Sean Smith, shout out Dobby, he uh, teaches at Pineapple in London, uh, sick beginners class, you should get there, but he was on this morning, I believe it was this morning with uh, Eamon, Eamon, can't remember his name, that Eamon dude, uh, Eamon, Eamon, I butcher everyone's name all the time, why can't I just remember names, Eamon, whatever his name is, so basically they were talking about dad dancing, and how dad dancing is, like, not cool. And uh, there was another guy on there saying how, you know, no one should be allowed to dad dance. And basically, Theresa May, I don't know if you've seen it, but go and check it out. Theresa May was uh, dancing. And she got caught dancing at some, I don't know, whatever the hell her job is that she does. She goes and sees people. So she was dancing, and everyone's, like, taking the piss out of her, saying, oh, she shouldn't have danced. She's such a bad dancer. And she was awful. I mean, granted... She's a bad dancer and she's awful, but I'm an okay dancer and I'm a really bad politician. So, you know, like, you can't be good at everything. Props to her for giving it a go and trying to get involved. And she's smiling. She looks a bit awkward. She looks like she might have got some shit in her pants while she's two-stepping. But, hey, she's she's giving it a go and she's having fun. You can't knock her for that, you know what I'm saying? She's having fun. But, so they are grilling her on the, this morning saying that it's embarrassing and she shouldn't have done it. But if she didn't do it, I'm sure everyone still would grill her, right? I'm sure she would still get shit from everyone from not dancing. So if anything, like props to her. She's getting involved. She's having fun. She's lighting up. Maybe she should have had a drink before it to get more, a little more relaxed. She looks a bit stiff. She's got some weird one leg thing going on. It looks like she just keeps stepping forward and back, but doing some weird thing. But yeah, so Sean was on the this morning. So they were trying to, Sean basically was saying his opinion and he kind of said what I just said like you know 
if she didn't do it, she would have got grilled anyway, so good for her. But this other guy who was on there, I don't know who he is, but he seemed like a bit of a douche. He was like, no, no, no parent should dance. It's awkward, it's embarrassing. And then he, he compared it to like uh, your parents having sex. He's like, you don't ever want to see your parents having sex. So why would you want to see them dancing? And I was like, huh? This makes no sense. What are you on about, you tool? It's a completely different thing. But yeah, so that was weird. But Dobby was on this morning. He killed it. And he made a, Dobby made a good point. He was like, uh, it may be getting good at dance might help you with being good at sex. You know, maybe they complement each other. Just saying, you know. I mean, I've, I don't get complaints from my lady. Just saying. She's going to kill me for saying that. But I don't care. Because uh, we tell the truth on Inside Out. Um, yeah, so check out that. Dobby was on there. I did message him when I saw it, though, like, uh, Eliza didn't message him. I commented on his Instagram, like, you could have dressed for the occasion. Like, you could have put some effort in. He's got just jeans and a grey T-shirt on. He was on TV. He looks like his... Dobby's, like, I don't know, five foot four, five foot five, And his T-shirt is probably, like, a double XL. I don't know. I was like, you could have put some effort in, kid. But he did a great job. Shout out, Dobby. And, oh, so I don't know if you guys have seen this too. This is some crazy shit. So Beyonce and Jay-Z, they're on stage. They're doing the show. They're doing their thing. You know, power couple, making them money, money, money. Um, they start leaving the stage. And from the clip that I've seen, some dude just walks on stage. Literally just walks on stage. Walks through all the dancers like... He don't give a fuck. Just walks straight through everyone and follows Jay-Z and Beyonce. And then you see someone try and, like, get in his way. And then he just kicks off. And all the dancers start running to the back. They it, it looks like they're, like, kicking him and hitting him or trying to pull him off. I have no idea. I might have made this up. Maybe they weren't doing that. But they were definitely, like, it looked like a kerfuffle. Yeah? They looked like they were kerfuffling. You know? They looked like they were getting down. It didn't look good. But can you imagine... Can you imagine being that dancer? I always think it's crazy. Like, when you're a dancer, you've got so much power sometimes on stage. And then sometimes not so much power, I guess. Like, I remember doing a show with Nicole, Nicole Scherzinger, and me and Santron had to carry her. And Santron's like 6'3", and I'm 5'8". So we had to carry her, and I remember thinking, I could just drop her right now. Like, what if I just, what if my arms just gave way and she just lands on her ass in front of, like, I don't know, X amount of thousand people. Like, shit, the pressure's unreal. Like, but yeah, so the dancers, I think they saved her. So uh, that was crazy. So you should go and have a look at that. Uh, we did 12 days straight on tour. It was a lot. But this week, um, we didn't have our tour bus because basically, shout out to our tour driver, Jim. Jim uh, crashed the bus. So Jimmy boy crashed the bus into the back of a lorry. So I've been giving him a bit of shit, making jokes, making banter, like trying to have fun with him, trying to make it not a big deal. But at the end of the day, we live on the bus when we're on tour, you know what I'm saying? Like we sleep on the bus, we travel on the bus. So where we haven't had the bus, this week we couldn't get a tour bus, so we had like a, a Scudder splitter van. And it's kind of like a transit van with seats and a table in the middle and then space to put all your uh, costumes and shit in the boot. They're cool vans, but when there's like, I don't know, six of you in there and there's only got six seats in the middle and one of them is Conrad, a.k.a. Black Stallion, who's like 6'5", next to you, like, 
oh my god this shit is so uncomfy it was oh excuse me i burped <laughs> this shit was fucking awful man so we're traveling around the country on that all last week and uh so we're giving jimmy boy grief for crash crashing the bus but you know he's healthy he almost he keeps telling me i almost died i'm like but you're alive my friend you're here you're good so it's all good bus was a write-off so he did a good job he if he crashed it at least he crashed it properly now we're getting a new tour bus pow yes jimmy boy so we went bowling after one of the shows i can't remember where we were i'm so bad at remembering these places but wherever we were we went bowling preston i think we we're in preston i think so we went bowling in preston i'm going with it we went bowling after the show in preston uh just uh just the boys just the cast no other people went to a bar for a little bit it was okay not fantastic but the people of the theater hooked us up with bowling because there was bowling place like combined with the theater i guess so we went in and we had our own little vip booth we had two bowling lanes um we we're doing some bowling it was sick it was such a good time and they had these uh these big old like you know the the screens that you type your uh your digits in so we all put our names on them we we had two lanes between us all so we all managed to play two games like we had us all go on one lane and us all go on another lane so it made it super fast and super fun i mean i was so fucking bad i was the worst i've ever been i've never been good at bowling but i was really bad but it's all good like we had fun it was a good time so jimmy boy bus driver jim comes and plays bowling with us but Jimmy Boy, for some reason, doesn't take his first two goes. Uh, he wasn't there for one, or he threw someone else's, so Paulius threw his and got a strike. Then he wasn't there, so I threw his, got a half strike, and Paulius did the second bowl and got the full strike. I think that's how it works. Jordan threw Jim's to the third go, got Jimmy Boy another strike. Then Jim comes back. And he throws his ball on his go. So we're all we're all playing the whole thing. Like no one was fantastic. Do you know what I mean? No one was like great. Everyone was kind of shit with the odd good few good things. Um then Jimmy Boy, Jimmy Boy, he gets his ball, he runs, and he throws it. And when I tell you it screams so far wide, I was like, God damn you, Jimmy Boy. I was like, well, on the plus side, at least you managed to miss them, eh? You know, because he didn't miss the bus. So everyone giggles, everyone laughs, because I'm just, it was my timing, comedic timing was on point. You know, it was a bit inappropriate, but hey, he's alive. Then Jimmy boy needs to start making shit dramatic. Then when he's bowling, every time he bowls the ball, he falls into the wall next to him. He grazed his elbow. I'm like, Jimmy boy, what the fuck is going on? So I uh, don't know what's going on with Jimmy boy. But yeah, we did some bowling. So shout out to whoever set that up. That was good fun. I've been grilling Jimmy though for crashing the bus, just making good jokes. We're having a Simon Bailey, our tour manager. He's like got some sort of Asian in him. We call him Simon Jaiberi or Prince Chowmain. We just give him pure Asian jokes. We grill him, but he takes it like a boss. So something happened, I don't know, and Jimmy said, even I've got better eyesight than you. And I went, yeah, you didn't manage to see the lorry though, did you, Jim? Didn't go down very well either. He didn't like it. But, you know, sometimes you just got to say what you got to say. It was just in the moment, just come off the top of my head. Uh, what else have we done? We wrote a rap. I wrote a rap this week. That was good. I uh, wrote the rap and then I recorded it with Paulius and Kyle. Uh, 
obviously DJ Lifo and Carl, who's been on the podcast before. We went out, went back to our house after the Bromley show this week and we recorded me doing a rap. I mean, I've never rapped before into a microphone. I'm sure I was horrific, but it was such good fun. It was so good fun. In fact, it was that much good fun and I'm actually proud of myself. I'm gonna just give you like a little bit of it ready. So it goes like this. It's Kane on the mic, so back on up. DJ Liffo on the track, yes, that's what's up. We about to drop this track, so you best stay steady. I think you're hearing, not listening, so you best be ready. This music gonna make you wanna move your feet. You're gonna get on the dance floor, forget your seat. You're gonna feel the funky rhythm right through your spine. It sounds so good, you're gonna lose your mind. Ooh, that's right. There's like five more, six more verses. There's so many, but I can't do the whole thing. But yeah, we wrote a rap, we recorded it. Uh, Paulius tried making it into a song. He said it sucked. It didn't work. So I ne we need to do it again. But yo, it was the most fun two hours. Like we just sat there giggling, recording it. We did it to a house beat um, instead of doing it to like a hip hop track. We were like, let's be different because Liffo's dope at making house beats. So it was like super fast. And I kept like tripping over my words. My tongue kept getting twisted. But I laughed so fucking hard. So yeah, that was dope. Uh, what else have I done? I went to watch Bat Out of Hell again last night. So I went to watch Kyle, Bat Out of Hell. He killed it. He's been off for three weeks because he uh, dislocated his shoulder. But he went back in last night and I took my lady, my Georgia, to go and watch it. She she didn't love the show. She said it, she didn't really like the music, but she was like, the dancers and the singers were like phenomenal and the set was out of this world. So yeah, and I agree. Kyle popped his shoulder out again in the show. But I mean, it kind of worked out for the best because uh, I think they're going to help him get it repaired. So that's good. So yeah, that's all the kind of exciting stuff that's gone on. Been taking Joey for a walk, uh, Kyle's dog while I was home. But that's about it. So, uh, yeah, that's what's been going on in the world. Anyway, uh, I put out a week ago or so that we got some questions. Question time. So uh, this episode's called Inside Out because you get to hear what's in my brain. So I just talk to you and tell you what's on my mind or whatever. Um, so here are some of the questions that people have sent me. So I put on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I was like, you can ask me any questions you want about me, about my career. You can ask career advice. You can ask literally anything and I'll answer it. Like, and this is the truth booth. So if you're a performer and you need questions and you need help, like this is the time for me to help. Um, I'm not saying my advice is the right advice or the perfect advice, but it's what I would do in, in the scenario. You know, I've got 10 years worth of experience as a dancer um, and I've done okay for myself. I've done quite well. So I hope that I can help younger dancers or performers coming up and just help people if they've got questions and whatever, just make this entertaining and be an asset to you all. So I've got some questions here. I've got a question from Kim Damon. She said, oh, she's asked me a lot of questions. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go through these. There's quite a lot of questions from Kim, but we'll go through them. And then if other people have asked similar questions, then it's been answered, I guess. So Kim Damond, she said, what made you want to become a dancer slash performer? Um, what made me want to become a dancer? Basically, I wanted to be Justin Timberlake. Uh, 
I first started dancing when I was in primary school. Like this woman come to my school, her name's Tracy Brown. I think we spoke about her on the podcast with Kyle. And she brought boys and they did like a scooter dance. And they kind of skated around and jumped up and down on scooters. Those little micro scooters when they were cool. And I was probably like nine or ten. So that that was my first, like, that intrigued me. But I never really saw it as dance. It was called boys dance, but I never saw it as dancing. We were just, there was music on and we were running around and jumping and sliding and seeing who could jump over the most people and stuff. So that was my first kind of, like, engagement to, like, wanting to, like, move to the music, I guess. Um, but what made me actually want to dance, uh, I did the boys dance thing for a while with them, but it wasn't so much like doing choreography. It was just like kind of like a really bad version of breakdancing. I had no idea what I was doing. I was literally just spinning on my bum. Like that kid that you'd see in like a disco who's about five. Do you know what I mean? And you tell the five-year-old to breakdance and he spins on his ass and he just rolls around on the floor and runs and jumps and like no coordination. That that was me. But um, when I was in high school, uh, I wanted to be Justin Timberlake. I literally, he is my favorite artist in the entire world. I think he's the coolest human, not that I've met, because I've never met him, but that I've ever seen. I just look at him and I'm like, you radiate coolness to me. So um, I wanted to be him. So I used to be in my bedroom. I used to dress up as him. And I used to try and copy the Like I Love You video. And uh, my mom was always like, oh, you're good at that. Whatever, like, you know, I could copy him. I was good at copying him. And uh, then one day there was a audition in the paper and it says audition to dance for your local radio station Fahrenheit and my mum was like you should go and just before this I got Kyle my best friend to come and start like uh this Rubicon boys thing again with me we're in high school now but it still was like we were still dancing but we weren't learning so much choreography at this time we were just like like a poor version of breakdancing again and running and jumping. It was just kind of moving with music on as opposed to like wanting to be a dancer, you know? Um, so we went to this audition and there was just all girls and then this one kid, Billy, but we didn't know him then. There was one guy there. You could tell he was gay. So we didn't feel like we were going to fit in at all. But we ended up going in and we did it. We got the audition and we started dancing for Fahrenheit, which was the dance company. But yeah, it just made me... Uh, I just wanted to be Justin Timberlake originally. I couldn't sing, couldn't sing for the life of me, but I, you know, I could kind of copy him kind of well. So kind of just happened, I guess. It kind of made sense that way. But in regards to being a performer, not many people know, but I was in the Welsh National Opera when I was six, I think. I was five or six. I was in Madden Butterfly. Um, I toured the country. I didn't sing. I just moved. I was just on stage, a cute little kid, which did what he was told so yeah um yeah so that's what made me want to be a dancer i wanted to be justin timberlake have you ever come across any obstacles within your career yes uh every day there's obstacles i guess but some obstacles like you come across uh injury uh illness money uh being able to afford to be a dancer is one thing but I guess my biggest obstacles would be when I was 17 or 18, I went on holiday with my girlfriend at the time um, to Portugal and I run and dived off a pier. And I ran and we were diving all day and jumping off this pier into the sea. And uh, it was amazing, so much fun. There was loads of us. 
beautiful hot day, like, you know, like sun scorching. I've got factor 50 on <laughs> and I'm still fucking sunburnt. And, uh, you know, uh, we're running, jumping, we're playing, we're doing flips off here, whatever. We go for lunch. Uh, we come back after lunch, which has been like an hour, hour and a half, I guess. Uh, I run down and I just, uh, Sally, my girlfriend at the time, is sunbathing on the beach. And I literally run down the pier and I run and I dive off straight away. That's my thing. I love diving off stuff. I love jumping off stuff. I dive off straight away. And literally all I remember is hearing a thud and my eyes were closed and I could taste like, uh, it tasted like dust in my mouth. Like it was weird. It was dusty. And my neck was like, everything just felt compressed. So I just was open my eyes and I was like, fuck, I'm underwater. Like it kind of all just blacked out for a moment. So I, I climbed out, uh, got myself out of the water and everyone was looking at me to see if I was okay. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I just couldn't, couldn't balance, couldn't do anything. Kind of like jumping off the diving board, I guess, in my story earlier. But yeah, so um, I dived off and obviously the water wasn't deep enough and I hit my head on the bottom on like a rock and where I hit my head I fused the vertebrae in my neck and I knocked my front teeth out so all I can taste is the dust in my mouth I climb out and everyone's looking at me and I you know you just go into like fight or flight mode so I start like panicking and I'm like yo I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay and everything was hurting like I could barely walk and I managed to walk back down the pier and I remember seeing Sally running towards me and she got to me and I just collapsed on the floor and I was just like like laying there and she kind of like looked after me and sorted me out managed to get me back to my hotel and uh went to see the doctor because there's a doctor downstairs and he was like you need to go home this was the next morning he's like you need to go home and I was like not not a chance like it's day two do you know what I mean I've still got we went for a 10-day holiday still got eight days so, um, yeah, I did that, and uh, the rest of the holiday was awful, fucking awful. Every time Sally would be like, oh, my God, look at that over there. I'd go to turn my head, and I'd be in absolute agony. I'd cry myself to sleep at night because I, I was so uncomfortable and in pain, and I just kept thinking to myself, like, I'm never going to be able to dance again. Like, I'd literally sob in bed, like, I, my career's done. I hadn't even really started my career then. I was just in college. I might have done the Royal Variety Show and same difference. But, you know, just my first two jobs, I don't think I was actually, like, working as a dancer yet. Um, like, a lot. I'd just done, like, a few things. And I thought, that, I thought that was it. And it took, like, it took quite a while before I became pain-free. Um, and then, yeah, I was still in college because I got a scholarship to Millennium. And then I went to Millennium Performing Arts and I was there for eight weeks. But they kept making me sit out because... I could never finish an entire ballet class because I could never do pirouettes. Every time I tried to pirouette, all the back bends and like um, looking to the side and even following my port de bras, like my head, I just lost, I lost range of motion in my neck. Um, and still to this day, I don't have very good range of motion. I can't look over my shoulder very far. I can just about get my chin to my shoulder and I can't look straight up to the sky. I have to like cheat and use my back. So that's been a massive obstacle, I think. Um, that actually really made me have to redirect what I was doing and the kind of jobs I wanted to do. Um, like I could, uh, I could do like three or four pirouettes when I was in college, just, you know, they weren't cute, they weren't pretty, but I could get around. Um, and now two is a struggle. 
Um, cause I just can't turn my head fast enough. I don't have the range of motion in my head. Um, so that threw me back a lot and that brought a lot of fear as well. It stopped me wanting to learn flips and stuff. It stopped me wanting to learn a lot of break dancing cause I was always so afraid of hurting my neck again. Um, it used to cause pain on jobs. I remember doing X Factor France um, with a guy called Zach Reese and Julia Spicer, lady, two very, very talented people. And I was there with Ema and uh, we had to do this drum. I think we did it to Adele rolling in the deep and we had to like bang on these drums. And I just remember like in rehearsals, them going again, again, again. And I remember getting home at night and sitting in the apartment with Ema being in absolute agony being like I don't know what to do like my neck's killing and she would massage my neck and try and get it to relax um so that's been probably my biggest obstacle as in what's made me have to change the kind of stuff I do so I stopped kind of dancing so full out and doing such stuff with hair whipping and head turning and stuff that was a huge obstacle um yeah so that's probably my biggest obstacle and losing my brother as well. I lost my brother when I was in LA. Um, I was on a job for a video, sh for a commercial, a vodka commercial. And I got to set at 6am or whatever it was. And I got a phone call off my mum telling me that I'd lost my brother um, to suicide. And yeah, that was the, that was a shock, <laughs> I guess. Um, so that was a big challenge. I still, I still did the job. Uh, that was horrific. Probably the worst day of my life. Not even a probably, most definitely the worst day of my life. Uh, but that was a shock to the body and to the brain. But um, I'm not going to lie, shout out to everyone on that job because they helped me through it. They told me I could go home. It was like 6am when I found out or something or 7am or some shit. And uh, they told me I could go home and I was like, no, I can do my job. So I did it. It was on a beautiful set. If you go on uh, on YouTube, I think it's called Beatini, something like that, Beatini Vodka, and you can see it. But they hardly put me in any of the clips because they probably knew that I did never want to look at that thing again. Or I looked like shit, so I probably had tears down my face. But it was, um, it was a beautiful set, and the people on the job were amazing. Like, the choreographers, like, Leon and Noah, like, so looked after me and so respectful. My boy, Matt Day... And my friend Alex Shondoff, Alexandra, uh, they proper looked after me. Like, and even the woman who was running the commercial, who owned the company, uh, she came up to me and she, you know, she offered me to go home. And I was like, I can do my job. I was like, just don't ask me to do any extra shit. Like, don't ask me to do any, just can you hold this bottle? Like, I'll do the dance stuff and I'll leave. But yeah, that was a huge obstacle, I guess. But I overcome it in my eyes. Um, I flew home two days later and I've never been back to LA since. So I guess that was a big obstacle, but it changed my perspective on everything. Um, it made my family more of the priority. Um, and I've never wanted to move away since. So now being home and stuff is the most important thing to me, spending time with my friends and family and stuff um, and having a much better balance between work and uh, social life and family life, I guess, because before I was all about work. So that was a pretty big obstacle, you could say. But it turned out, I don't want to say it turned out for the best, because of course it didn't. I'd do anything for that not to have happened. But it's made me a much better person.
So those are my two biggest obstacles, I guess. Uh, what else we got? That got deep real quick. You got me. Um, why did you become a dream boy? I became a dream boy because my friend, Jamie, is uh, one of my besties. He's my brother. I got, like, two of my best friends, which I class as, like, my family, and it's Kyle and Jamie. Um, besides my actual family, like, they're the two which I class as family. So he's a dream boy. And uh, he told me that they needed someone to replace someone else who'd been fired. And they needed to learn the show ASAP. But prior to this, about six months before, I'd messaged the owner, Dave, who I didn't know him at the time, uh, trying to get a job. Because um, to be honest, I just wanted some regular income. At the time, I was like, you know, I was dancing for different artists. I was dancing with, you know, a few different people. I was just thinking of moving back from LA um, and he wanted me to go and audition and this was around Christmas time so at the time I was I choreographed and I was dancing in pantomime in Stoke and I had a show in the Colshers in, in London as well and I was like I've got no days off the only day off that I have from Panto I'm in London uh, I've got a show with Nicole so I won't be able to make the day that you you want me to audition and it was around it was within like a certain time frame of a, of a specific week so that whole week I was busy. So then it kind of, nothing ever came from that. It kind of just died out. And then when they, in April, so four months later, going into five, April into May, uh, I found out that they needed someone to learn the show ASAP. So I told Jamie to speak to the choreographer, Jordan, and I messaged Dave as well, the owner. And I went in to rehearsals. I learned the show in two days. This is last year's show, so the 2017 show. I learned the show in two days. One day I was with Jordan, and he taught me half of the show. And the next day I was with Schmike, the assistant choreographer, and he taught me the other half. Um, so I learned it with just those two in the studio, with no costumes, no other people, just the music. And then when we got to my first show, I learned in the morning, well, in the daytime, what, co excuse me, more coffee burps, what costumes I had to wear, and... I uh, just blagged it, really. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I just kind of Thomas the Tank. I call it Thomas the Tanked, where, like, you face forward, but your eyes are looking side to side because, you know, Thomas the Tank can't turn his head. He's, like, got crazy eyes. So I kind of Thomas the Tank the first show. And, yeah. Uh, so I became a dream boy because I wanted some regular money and I wanted to perform with my friends I guess like Jamie was doing it so in my eyes I was like I get paid to be with my best friend uh so and he loved it and he was always telling me how much fun he had doing it so that was kind of the sell to me um and I like how much time when they explain to me how it works you know you get like f a few days on a few days you do a few shows and then you get quite a few days off so I was like, wow, that's really good because I can work on other things. I can take class. I can still teach. I might still be able to do other jobs. I can judge. I can see my family and my friends. So it, it just worked out really, really well. So yeah, that's what made me want to become a dream boy. Next question. How do you cope with being away from your partner on tour? Um, me and Georgia, sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's hard. It depends how long I'm away. When I'm away for a few days, it doesn't feel that difficult because all I do is think about how excited I am to see her again. When we're away for two weeks, three weeks at a time, 
then it's quite difficult because it's like uh, it's it's hard to communicate because I'm always with the boys. So we never really get uh, alone time conversations. And I'm not going to lie, I'm so shit at like uh, pulling myself away to just be like, right, we're just going to have a phone call for an hour, just us two. I'm so bad at shit like that because I'm like, I'm going to the gym, I'm going for breakfast, I'm hanging out with the boys, we're doing this, we're doing that. And then when I want to or I can, normally it's after the show and she'd be going to bed or she's in her show. And then when she's finished her show, because she doesn't finish her show till late as well, it just doesn't ever work out that we can talk super easily. But I need to be better at like putting time in to make phone calls to her and stuff. But when we're together, like, well, when 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 I'm not on tour, like every moment is spent with her, either with her or my family. Um, I drive across the country every week to be with her. I do about twenty five thousand miles a year. Some of them are for work, but most of them are for to visit her or to visit my family because she lives about three hours away from my house in London. So she's in Great Yarmouth, between Great Yarmouth and Lower Stoft. Um, and obviously I'm from Cardiff, so to try and see my family and her on those few days off is always a bit of a challenge, but we make it work. But when we met, I lived in LA. So we did long distance for quite a while. And then I did dance, dance, dance in Amsterdam. So we're kind of used to the distance thing. But I just think we cope with it really well. We really trust each other. We're best friends. We tell each other everything. So there's no problems, really. You know, we bicker about normal couple things. But as far as being away from each other on tour, we just always make sure that when we're together, we're together and we do nice things and we make make the most of it. We go out for food like we go out for breakfast all the time. It's like our favorite thing. Like if Bonnie and Clyde were serial killers of breakfast, we would be that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's okay. How long do you think you will stay with the Dream Boys? I will stay with the Dream Boys until I don't enjoy it anymore. Um, I'll keep doing it as long as I'm enjoying it. And it's keeping my lifestyle good as long as I'm still making money. Um, and I enjoy it. Yeah, that's all I really care about. Uh, or if a better opportunity comes along. If I got offered my own radio show, or like if I got offered to make money from just podcasting, if I could podcast full time or do interviews and stuff, then maybe I would consider it. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed being on tour with the boys. The show's fun. I get to travel. But the best part of it is like I get to spend time with 10 guys who I really get along with and we just have fun. Like we genuinely have a great time. So how long will I not be with them until I don't enjoy it anymore? Um, what are your plans for the future? Um, just to keep trying to be happy, I guess. Like I'm, I want to buy a house with Georgia or well, by myself or with her either way. Whatever is more convenient, I want to get a place because um, I'm 28 and I always set the goal to buy a house before I'm 30. But I'm so rubbish at saving money. I'm the worst. I like eating out. I like going on dates. I like watching shows and cinema and stuff. So I'm s I am just fucking suck at saving money. Um, so, yeah, uh, future plans, buy a house, keep having fun, keep trying to get better at the podcasting and at interviewing people and try new things and as long as i'm happy 
then I don't know. I don't really think about the future as in like when I'm 40, I think about the future as in tomorrow or the next week or the rest of the day. But yeah, I'm not very good at planning. So I don't really think about the future too much in that sense. Uh, oh, a message, for, uh, a message, a question from my uncle, Paul Silver. How do you could how do you deal with rejection at auditions? Good question. Um I used to deal with rejection at auditions negatively. I used to compare myself to everyone and be like, why the fuck didn't I get it? I'm better than them. Uh like and I'd be I'd have a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth, but I was young and very inexperienced. Um and very exposed to a lot of great things at a young age without a lot of experience. Um, but the older I've got, I've learned to just deal with it as in remove the emotion from the equation and remove my ego. Uh, I think now if I get cut from an audition, I always try and figure out if why I wasn't suitable for the job. If I wasn't good enough, if I had a bad audition or I sucked at the choreography or something, I get it. Like, it makes sense that you get rejected. Of course it does. You don't beat yourself up about it. You just go, I need to work on that and be better at it. That They were always easy ones for me. So if it was something I sucked at and I got rejected, it was never it never bothered me because I knew I got rejected because I wasn't good enough and that was easy to fix. It was like, I just go and practice until I'm good enough at it. But getting rejected of things which I feel like I'm perfect for or things that I did really well was the hardest. Like... I've auditioned for Magic Mike, Vegas and London twice and I haven't got it. Um, and it's a job that I really, really want. But I think I've learned to just accept that I'm not right for it or that I don't do something, I don't say something or do something that they're looking for. And it's really hard to accept that, but you just have to because not accepting it isn't going to change. You just have to pull yourself away from it and go, cool. There's obviously something I'm missing from this scenario. If I can't figure out what it is to fix it and be better at it, then I just have to accept it and forgive myself that I, not what they're looking for, I wasn't good enough. Um, and use it to my advantage. Don't dwell on it, just be like, cool, onto the next one. Or use those mistakes that you made in the audition possibly to, to be better. Um, and acknowledge your flaws. It's a good thing to know what you're not good at. I feel like I wasn't very good, which is mind blowing, but I feel like I wasn't very good in the interview portion of it because I was nervous because I was talking about something that I, I really, really wanted. And I was talking in a position which made me feel very vulnerable. So maybe that's why I wasn't great at it. But yeah, I just think you remove emotion from the scenario. Don't beat yourself up at it about it and use it to progress you know like i didn't get magic mic which i really really wanted but i also love doing the podcasts so i've just used that to go cool that's not the journey i'm meant to keep following i'm meant to keep following my journey doing podcasts and hopefully something this way will work out better and if not then that'll bounce me into redirect me to something else i guess that's how i deal with it don't take it personally. Just know that there's something that they're looking for as well. We said it a lot in Chris Minow's episode, 
Like sometimes it's not that you're not good enough that you didn't get the job. It's that you're not tall enough. You don't fit the costume right. You need to be the same as your opposite. There's so many factors that go to it. So just don't take it too personally, I guess. Um, oh, this is a long one. Sweetness Heart 13. Your question is, oh, Harley Amber's mum. So, f- oh, so for the podcast, she says, do you think the Dream Boys show should go in a different direction, as in more dance-based rather than entertainment comedy stripping element, which has diminished in the past few years? Do you think the call for strippers is dying out? Okay, so I think what you're asking me is, do I think the show should be more dance orientated than comedy? And do I think the call for full Monty strippers is dying out? I'm assuming. Uh, I think it depends what you're trying to make your show. I think there's a place for everything. Um, With the Dream Boys, I know that it's become a lot more dance based than it was in the past due to you having more dancers. Before, I believe there was only like two dancers in the show and the rest were very handsome people with very good bodies. Whereas now you have more dancers. So that's why the show, I believe, has become more dance orientated. Um, but we still have a lot of comedy in our show but and entertainment because I believe not everyone wants to just see dance or not everyone wants to just see a naked human. People want to enjoy themselves. Um, and the best way to show enjoyment is through normally through laughter. If you can see people laughing... Um, that normally means 95.9% of the time that they're having a good time. So the comedy side of it, if I can make you laugh, I'm assuming you're having a good time. So I don't think that uh, it should go away from that and be more dance-based because I think as long as you're enjoying yourself, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. As long as you're having a good time, it's a good time. But yeah, I think everything's going more in a dance-based direction purely because of Magic Mark the Movie. You know, since that, I think it's up the level from like Full Monty, the movie, where it was really just dad dancing and a stripping element with a bit of comedy, obviously, because it's the point of the film. But now, you know, it's everything is more dance driven because of that movie, I believe. But no, I don't think. I don't think it's diminishing, I would say. Do you think the call for strippers is dying out? No, I don't. I'm pretty sure that my owner, my owner, not my owner, didn't mean to say that, that the owner of the Dream Boys probably gets a lot of complaints that they don't see enough naked men, that we only show a willy the end of the first half with Martin and the end of the second half with Conrad. And people have, you know, some people come and that's all they want to see. Um, But then some people come and that's the bit that they don't like. So I guess we're just trying to be an all-round show. We want to show you dance. We want to make you laugh and have a bit of comedy. Um, you know, give you what some of you came for is to see some sausage, some silly sausage. So that's the answer to that one, hun. Oh, coincidence. Now a question from her daughter, Harley. Uh, how has your past year been touring with the Dream Boys and are you doing it next year? Also, what's your favourite part in the show and touring in general? The past year has been amazing. I've had lots of fun. I've had lots of experiences. Um, I get paid to laugh every day uh, with my friends and we get to go on stage and do what I love. Sometimes there's down, you know, there's down days where nothing goes as you plan, I guess. 
the venue's not as great as you want it to be, the dressing rooms suck, or like I said earlier, you haven't got a tour bus, so you've been traveling on a splitter van, things like that. You know, you're stuck in traffic, traveling somewhere. There are always things which uh, can make a day difficult, but at the grand scheme of things, I get paid to do what I love and I get paid to perform. Um, I love dancing, I love performing, I love interacting with people, I love meeting new people and I love making people laugh. And I believe that I get to do all of them on a daily basis. So my year with the Dream Boys has been fantastic because I've got to do all of those things. So yeah, I love it. Uh, what uh, Am I doing it next year? Yes, as far as I know, unless, I, unless my boss doesn't want me anymore or I make millions from podcasting. But even then, I still might consider still doing it because I just have a great time. So yes, I'm doing it next year. What's my favourite part of the show? My favourite part in this year's show. My favourite part in last year's show was Greece. Uh, when we used to do Greece. Go Greece lining, you're burning up a quarter of a mile. Greece lining, go Greece lining. Because Greece is my favourite film. Which people will know if they listen to Shane's episode, but not many people know. But Greece is my favourite film, so I really enjoyed doing that. Felt like I was living a reliving a childhood dream. I used to want to be Danny Zuko, but the pasty ginger version. Um, uh, my favourite part is touring in general. I mean, I've already said it. Just being with the boys and having a great time. Next question, Sarah D. How do you think Spurs are going to do this season? I think we are going to finish fourth. In uh, as in anyone who doesn't know who Spurs is, is my football team Tottenham, and Sarah supports them as well. I think they're going to come fourth. I would love them to come above any position above that but I think fourth is a good spot we beat United last week which was great but we lost to Watford yesterday so that fucking sucks and we've got a hard table for Champions League so we'll see what happens ah a question from Shaney Baby who's part of the Dream Boys with us with me he's been on the podcast so his question is uh what was your favorite performance in your career in dance Good writing, Shane. What was my favourite performance of my career? My favourite th- one performance, um, it's, it's weird. So I've got a few different favourites for different reasons. My favourite job ever is Panto in Stoke because it's kind of like Dream Boys. I kind of just get paid to go on stage with people I love and have a good time. And in Stoke, when we do Panto, you've got quite a lot of uh, creative freedom to make people laugh. And, you know, I get to dress up when I do panto. One time I've been a shark. I've dressed up in a big shark suit and I go on stage and I just make everyone laugh and I mess around as a shark. Um, I go on as a gay sailor, a gayler, a gay sailor and act camp and make people laugh. And um, I really get to be different characters. And I really enjoy being characters when I dance. Um, I think I prefer dancing as characters more than dancing as me. I know that sounds a bit crazy, but I really enjoy it. So Doing Panto is my favourite. And I get to work with um, the woman who I assist is called Nikki Wilkes. She's the choreographer. So I help choreograph it. I get to work with her and we really uh, work well together on what we think is going to work well for the shows. And we bounce ideas back and forth and it always ends up being a great, like the choreography for the production always ends up being great and fun to do. So she's great to work with. Johnny and Christian, the two leads and the creatives, and the writers, they do everything. They're like family to me. Uh, Christian's been on the podcast, if you've listened, you can hear I absolutely adore him. 
Um, and we've just got a family. It's like being in a family. The people who work at the theatre are amazing. The people who work in the cafe around the corner are amazing. The techies are amazing. Like if I could get paid every single day to do panto in Stoke with those people, I would. It's where I met my girlfriend. You know, we got, we've done it together twice, I think. We've done panto together now. And, you know, so all my experiences doing that are with her, which is amazing. Nothing beats getting to work with her. I've got to do panto with Kyle once. I've got to do panto with Jamie once. And I got to do panto with my other good friend, Mikey. So it's always a good time. Um, so, yeah, panto is my favorite job ever. But my favorite one performance is probably um, Dancing with the Stars. Um, I danced with Mark Ballas, who's a professional dancer on there and a singer. Uh, Dancing with the Stars was always a huge goal for me because it's the, I believe, the highest platform of dance to perform on. It has two seasons a year in America. It's kind of like Strictly Come Dancing, if you don't know. But that was my favorite. Um, it's so fucking good. Uh, so that 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 was a great performance. So yeah, that one, Shaney. Uh, another message. Alan King. Alan from my gym. What's your favorite gig? Done that one. You're always rushing around. How do you relax? Um, I relax by staying uh, on my days off, going to see my family. That's my relaxing time, seeing my family and seeing Georgia. Um, going to the gym, going to the cinema. I love going to watch musicals. Um, but yeah, just spending time with people I love and my friends, really. I do a lot of driving on my days off but it's to go and, which isn't relaxing at all. But I go and see people I love and people that I enjoy spending my time with. So I guess that's how I relax. It kind of removes work from my brain. Um, but I love listening to audiobooks and podcasts as well. So when I'm driving everywhere, it's not like I'm stuck in traffic sometimes and I'm hating life because I'm, I'm learning as I'm driving. I listen to lots of different podcasts on health and fitness and comedy um, I'm always about trying to progress. I feel like I'm a very growth-minded person. I want to learn. I want to be challenged and hear and be open to learn new things. So, yeah, that's how I relax. Message from Paige. Hi, Kane. Just seen your question. No. Hi, Kane. Just seen you wanted questions for your next podcast. And I was wondering how you feel about a dancer having a, having to work a normal day job to earn money to pay rent etc what kind of job they could be doing oh and what kind of job they could be doing i have only just moved to london and i currently work full-time in retail and i have zero time to go to class and auditions so do you think this is okay for dancers working a normal job page Meehan. page great question um I'm probably not the best person to ask this because I've, n I've had three real jobs in my whole life. Um, I worked in Tesco's. I worked in McDonald's for a day. Yeah, for about four hours. I worked in Tesco's for six weeks and I probably went three times. It's like three Saturdays out of six Saturdays that I was meant to be there. Um, and then I worked in All Saints for a week. And the reason I didn't stay at them all was because they didn't give me... Well, the first two, because I hated them. Uh, but All Saints, when I moved to London, I really needed money. So I got a job there. Um, and then they wouldn't give me 
a weekend off in a month's time. So in a month in advance, they wouldn't give me a weekend off to go and teach. And when I started working there, we come to the agreement that, you know, uh, dance was my priority and we'd both work together to make to make that work for me. And then I would do all I could to help them. And straight away when I asked for a day off, he was like, nope. And I was like, but we agreed that when I started this, like I could have a day off. And he's like, nope, this is a new store. We just opened the store in Regent Street. I was working the very first week of it opening. And he was like, no, I can't give you it off. Like, you know, we'll only be a month in. So I was like, cool, I quit. And he was like, huh? And I was like, I quit, I'm out. And he was like, wait, let's go in the office and see if we can figure it out. And I said, too late now. Thanks anyway, though. And I left. So that's my experience of working full time. Or well, not even full time. It was like part time, a real job. All the other things I've just taught or danced. Um, but I think you need to find a job which is flexible. Um, a lot of people I know do promo gigs. Um, a lot of friends used to do flyer in, which they get like 10, 11 pounds an hour for. Um, a great one is to work in a theater. Um, I don't know what it's called, like work front of house. That's it. Work front of house in the theater. Cause then you kind of just work in evenings. Auditions are normally in the daytime. Um, and then you can go to daytime classes. Yeah. You just need to find something that's flexible, a call center. Um, the best thing would be to try and get a job in a studio. Like if you could work behind the desk at Pineapple or 68 at base uh, and get paid for it, obviously, they'd be the best because then you're you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people. I think if you can get a job where you're surrounding yourself with performers or people who have the same interest in you, then, you know, it's going to be easier to break into the industry as well. Because you're going to hear about auditions, you're going to network, you're going to make friends, people are going to know who you are. Uh, I think that would be, that'd be the best thing in my eyes. But otherwise, front of house in the theatre, because I believe that they're quite flexible with you getting time off as well. But that's just what I'm told. I'm not 100% sure. Um, next question is from Matt Maxim. I'm a 22-year-old aspiring professional dancer from Scandinavia. Some Scandinavians listening. Recently reunited with dance after a lengthy break. I've got a stable corporate day job and a university a university degree in economics, but about to make an irrational sacrifice and put that career path on hold to try my wings as a commercial dancer. So my question is, what is it in dance for you personally that makes it all worth it? What makes dance valuable, fulfilling and satisfying? Well, first of all, I think you're in a fantastic position to give this a go, to try and make dance a career because you've already got a degree because you've been to uni. So I'm just, yeah, you've already got a degree in economics. So you've already got a backup plan. You know, when I started dancing, I didn't have a backup plan. There was no backup plan. There was just, I got to make sure that I don't fuck this up and I make it work. So you've already got a backup plan. You've already got something that you can use to, to make a living of if after a few years of trying this, it doesn't work. So this definitely, you're definitely in a fantastic first position. What makes it worth it for me personally is I love it. Like I get paid to dance, like, and no offense to anyone who flips burgers or does whatever or works in Tesco's. Like I worked at McDonald's for four hours and I literally was like, this isn't the life I want. 
I fucking couldn't stand it. For four hours, I couldn't even do it. And then Tesco's, I was meant to work six Saturdays or something like that, and I think I did three. I was like, I cannot listen to any more beeps. I was on the scanning machine going beep, beep. Like, for me, the worst part about being a dancer is rehearsals. Um, I don't really enjoy rehearsals that much. I love performing. However, I know rehearsals is the part that I've got to do to make the performance better. Um, but what makes it person like personally, I just love performing. I love giving people my skill. I like the reaction of people cheering, I guess. Um, it's just what I love to do. I love music. I love dancing. So personally, that makes everything worth it for me. I've been the brokest dancer you can ever imagine. When I was in LA, um, I go-go danced in a gay bar in a speedo while men took money in my pants. And for me, that was the most, that was probably worse than McDonald's. It was 100% worse than McDonald's. I've, I absolutely despised it. But I just used to try and blank out and think there's music on and I'm dancing. But I knew that that was my sacrifice that I was making to make sure that I could afford to stay in LA so I could take class and I could get those dream jobs that I desired. Because um, I love dancing that much and I love performing that much. So for me personally, that's what's worth it. But I think you're in the, I think you're in a fantastic position because you've already got a backup plan. You've already put in the work where you can go and do another skill. So, I mean, you could, you can do uh, economics. I don't even know what job you, economics would be, but I'm sure you can do that forever. You can't dance forever. You're 22. Like a dancer's career can last till 30, 35 if you're lucky. I mean, most people don't even last that long. Most people do college and then stop. So if you can dance now from 22 till you're 30, 35, fuck man, make the most of it. Do what you love and love what you do. Like don't hold back. Um, You've got nothing to lose. Do you know what I mean? You get one life, so don't live it doing something that you're not satisfied with. I've never understood that. Like I danced in a gay bar and I hated it, but I knew that I was doing it to make sure I could pay my bills so I could keep doing what I loved as well. There was a reason for it. But if you want to be a commercial dancer and you want to make a career path and you want to make a career of this, go for it, man. Don't hold back. Um, and if you've got any questions about what classes to take which will help you, like hit me up and I'll point you in the right direction that I think will benefit you or let me know what kind of dancing you want to do, what kind of people you want to work for and I'll point you in the right direction of how to get good at those things. Um, but you've got nothing to lose. So I would say to you, commit, fully commit to this dancing, like make it your your ultimate goal, but do it one day at a time. Don't be like, in a year, I'm going to be this good. Just be like, tomorrow I'm going to take two classes. The next day I'm going to take a class. The next day I'm going to practice freestyling. Uh, I'm going to try and get on an agency. Make that your first thing. Try and make getting on an agency as your first goal or get into an audition as your first goal. Don't think I'm going to make a career of this. Just one goal at a time and all those baby steps in the end will build up to a career of this. That would be my advice for you. So go for it, Matt. 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 Go for it. Uh, I have some more questions from Becky Harding. What are your plans after the Dream Boys? I've no idea. Hopefully podcast um, or be a presenter or some sort 
don't really know. I'm hoping those things. Uh, what is important to you in life? My family, my friends, my girlfriend, and being happy. If I'm not happy, then I'm doing something wrong. Um, the most important thing in my life is me. I know that sounds horrifically selfish, but you know what they say, like fix your own oxygen mask before anyone else is on a plane. So if I'm happy and I'm making myself happy, then I'm in a position where I can be happy with others and make others happy. But if I'm not enjoying myself, then I never put any effort into anyone else. And I know that sounds awful, but I truly believe that's the way to a happy life because you've only got one, so you need to make the fucking most of it. Um, your ex what my experience in LA? What was my experience in LA? It was a fucking experience. I can tell you that. Um, I loved it. It was fantastic. I learned so much and met so many amazing people. However, it was hard. There was lonely moments. Um, I met lots of amazing people, but I didn't have my family and my closest friends with me, so it made it really difficult. But I did make some great friends. I had a girl there called Aisha from Wales who was like a rock to me when I was there. Um, I had a guy called Alex who I met there. He's a fashion designer. He was amazing. Um, a guy called Sagiv. Um, he's a dancer, and now he's like a creative. He was older than me, but he really, really looked after me. Uh, he was kind of like my big brother. Like if anything went wrong, he looked after me. Um, I made uh, one of my closest friends, who's going to be one of my closest friends forever, a guy called Ricky Alvarez. Um, he used to dance for Ariana. He dances for um, Ricky Martin now. I, I made a brother in him. Like he's the dopest guy. So humble, so genuine. He's someone like that I'll have within my life forever. And I was really lucky that when I moved out there a few months after, uh, my housemate from London moved out as well, David Ratcliffe, who was like, I call him my hubs, my hubby. I always say to him, if I was gay, I'd marry you because he's absolutely beautiful. He's hilarious and I love him to bits. So my experience in LA was great because I had all those people with me and I loved dancing there, but it was a struggle. I had to do a lot of things that I didn't like doing. Money was always a stress. I remember every month being like, oh my God, I'm skint. How can I afford my house and my car payment? Like uh, I writ off, well, someone crashed into me and writ off my first car. I had a, um, a rental car and I crashed into the back of someone by accident and I didn't take insurance out on it. So I had to pay four grand for that. Like every, I had so many things go wrong when I was in LA. Um, like life things, like with cars and accidents and money. But it all just built me up to make me the person I am. Um, so I wouldn't change any of it. I mean, I'd love to be like, if I could change anything, I would have danced with Justin Timberlake. But, you know, within what's happened, it's just made me the person I am. So my experience in LA was great. It was amazing while it lasted, but, I mean, I don't want to go back there. Um, who do I look up to for inspiration? My inspirations in life is my mum she's my biggest inspiration um and I believe she's the closest person to me as in I'm so similar to her we're literally identical I mean we look the same but our perspectives on life are the same and she always taught me to have perspective of like positive a positive perspective I guess like I remember we used to like 
we had no money growing up and it was just uh, me and her for a long time. And we'd go to school and we lived like a mile from the school or something. And uh, all the other kids used to get told off by their parents, like for getting muddy and jumping in puddles and stuff. And my mum never used to tell me off for stuff like that. She used to be like, oh, this is dope. Like, let's see who can make the biggest splashes in the puddles while we ran to school in the rain. Do you mean? And everyone else would be like, don't, all the other parents would be like, don't get muddy, don't get dirty. Where you like, you take an umbrella, like, and get told off for stuff like that. And my mum would try and make it a fun thing. Like, so we had no money. So we'd be going to the school in the rain, like everyone's worst nightmare. And instead of having an umbrella, my mum would be like, let's make this fun. Do you know what I mean? Let's make splashes. Let's jump in the puddle. And then if I was dirty and muddy, instead of telling me off, she'd be like, oh, well, we can wash them. Like, there was no big deal. So she kind of just made everything which uh, seemed like a big deal to everyone else not a big deal to us. Um, so my mum is by far my biggest inspiration. Uh, who else? Dance-wise, um, at first... Uh, I don't even know where to start. There's so many. My biggest inspiration is John Graham, uh, my best friend, one of my best friends. I've got lots of, like, best friends. I've done a lot of things in life, so I've met lots of different people, and they're best friends with different things. But he's taught me probably the most um, and made me feel the most comfortable dancing and inspired me the most. So I'd say John. Uh, Glenn Ball. I wanted to be Glenn Ball when I was younger. He's a dancer. Um, and then Misha Gabriel, Nick Bass, Kenny Wormald, Rich and Tone, Ivan Kamwayov, Natalie Gilmore, Matt Elwood. Like, there's, the list goes on. Akamon Jones, Rich and Tone. I'll say Misha Gabriel about six times because he was one of the main ones. Um, Ema Walsh was a massive inspiration to me. Uh, Anthony Kay and Cisco were huge, huge inspirations to me. Um, so, so many inspirations for career-wise, but to teach me real-life lessons, uh, my mum, and then my nan as well. I always say to my mum, you're the second best human on earth, and she's like, what? And I'm like, your mum's the best human on earth, because my nan is like, she would do anything for anyone. She's the most loving, kind person ever in the world. So they're my two biggest inspirations. And my uncle's a big inspiration as well. Um, uh, has the Ins and Outs podcast changed anything for you? Um, yeah, kind of, I guess. It's made me redirect my focus and my goals. Since starting the podcast, I've realized this is something I really enjoy doing. I don't think I'm very good at it yet, but I enjoy doing it. So I'm just going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it until I'm good at it. Because I wasn't very good at dance for a very, very, very long time. But I just kept doing it until someone was like, oh, you're getting better. And I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, the podcast has just given me motivation to keep practicing and being good at this because I enjoy it. And if nothing ever comes of it, then I just get to speak to really cool people. And if I get to entertain or help one person along the way then that's amazing um what's your favorite musical my favorite musical is bat out of hell easily by far of what i've seen um i still haven't seen lion king matilda school of rock chicago like they're on they're, they're on my to-do list but out of all the ones i've seen um 
Like Dreamgirls was cool. The singers were great. Didn't really like the dancing. Uh, the set was okay. Tina was fucking incredible. The woman who played Tina was unreal. And it was actually a great show. I didn't I didn't really know much about her life. So that was fantastic. But Wick, Wicked was amazing as well. I really enjoy Wicked. Because as a kid, I love Wizard of Oz. And it kind of changed the whole story for me. I was like, oh my God. Like, The Wizard of Oz was not the story that I thought it was. And all the good people are bad people and all the bad people are good people. This is crazy. Like, plot twist like hell. Um, but my favourite is Bat Out of Hell. Firstly, because my best friend's in it and he's amazing. Secondly, the singers are fantastic. Um, and it's the set. The set is unreal. I've never seen a set like it. The lighting, the changes, the quick changes, everything is fucking phenomenal. So yeah, Bat Out of Hell probably would be my favourite. Oh, and you also asked, in your podcast with Jake, you talk about how you are kind of relate... Oh, how you both kind of relate in the sense you both lost your brother. I can't imagine what that must have been like for you and your family. I'm not really sure how to put it into words of how you must have dealt with your loss. You don't have to answer this one. <laughs> um, I will answer it. Um, how I dealt with it? I don't know. To be honest, I'm still dealing with it. Um, I always tried not to try not to blame myself because obviously I know it's not my fault. Um... But if I could change anything, I wish I could go back and have spent more time with him. But, uh, I mean, I just deal with it by spending more time with my family and making them a priority now um, and spending more time with the people I love because I know that's what he would want. Um, and he would also want me to just be happy. Like, he would want me to go and do what I do and have fun, the same as he did when he was alive, he just, he, that's all he did. He just wanted to have fun as well. Um, so yeah, that's how I deal with it really. Just make my family a priority, but also keep making sure that I'm happy because I don't ever want to feel like he must have felt. So yeah, I don't really know how to answer that otherwise, but I guess that's it. Um, do you have any more? No, that is all of the questions. Wow. That was long and we got deep in this episode of inside out but thank you all for listening i hope i helped i hope i give you an insight into my life um and what's been going on also random just reminded me did you see what happened uh on it was in america some girl pushed her best friend off like a 60 fucking foot bridge like so think when i dived off the pier like i popped my ear uh, when I, the diving board, I popped my ears. When I dived off the pier, I've like fucked my neck, right? And they weren't 60 foot. They were probably like 15, 20 max. Like this, maybe 25, the pier, uh, the um the diving board. This girl got pushed because they were all jumping off this bridge and their friend was afraid. Find it on YouTube or Instagram. Just search girl pushes girl off bridge. It's fucking insane. So apparently uh, she stood on the edge. I saw the video. And she's like afraid to jump. And then a friend pushes her and she jumps. She falls into the water and she like belly flops and she breaks her fucking face. She like, uh, she breaks her ribs. She breaks her face. Something happens to her eye. Like bitch is broken. Uh, can you imagine? I know that's super off subject. Maybe talking about suicide made me think of that topic. I have no idea where that came from. But yeah, I saw that this week. How bad is that shit? Like that's your friend. She just pushed off a fucking bridge. 
I hope she's not your friend anymore. But yeah, that's that's crazy. So go look at that. Um, but yeah, she was badly injured. Nuts. Nuts. Anyway, this has been long. It's been long but nice. It's an hour and 19 minutes. Jesus, I can talk. Um, yeah, so that's an episode of Inside Out. Any other questions, hit me up. This episode was brought to you by Level Up Dance Academy, bringing you premium dance training, making you the best dancer you can be so you can have a career better than me. Rhymes, bars, rap star. I'm out. Bah. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe, share with your friends and family, and also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We out. Peace.